for us. He yeah! right here can be the biggest moment of his career. Adam Scott. Unreal. Get ready. Loosen those vocals up, Tuck. Here it comes. There we go. Crowd cheers. Here's Siddle. Hello and welcome to Sport for Change, Episode 3. I am Aidan Clark and I am here with the nation, Gus Nation, Angus Murray. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm great, mate. I can't believe we're up to three episodes already. It's gone really quickly. It has. It has. We've had some great guests. Yourself, Alex Keith. Thank you. I'm looking forward to revealing the third. It is exciting. The third one has an interesting story as well. So it does. We'll touch on that in a little bit. But firstly, can I touch on our podcast opener. Does yes. It, does it give you chills as well? I love it. Uh, it gives me absolute goosebumps. And I've had a few people comment and say um, that they love it as well. Where were you when Peter Siddle took a hat-trick on his birthday? I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I can't remember, but uh, what a sporting spectacle. I think most Australians will remember that. 100%. I was um, in the car with my brother. Yep. We were driving to Chadston and... Tubby Taylor uh, pipes up with his Peter Settles taking a hat-trick on his birthday. And any time that it is played wherever my brother or I are, we'll send each other a message with yep. the audio. Um, it is quite iconic. It's an iconic sporting moment for Australians. Just any cricketer's dream, really. Oh, imagine. On his birthday. Imagine the celebrations. And Ashes as well. Yeah, Day huge, one. Huge. Fantastic. Now, the NBA. Blockbuster off-season. Huge trades already. already. Yeah, huge. It's going to be very different NBA next year, isn't it? Yeah. I actually don't know which team to go for, so I'm an OKC fan, and I mm-hmm. should stay loyal, but they've had a clean out. I wonder okay. if Westbrook will leave as well. Paul George has obviously gone um, to the Clippers. Huge. Maybe I'll go for the Clippers. Maybe I'll go for Brooklyn or the Lakers. I don't know yet. I loved the fact that the Lakers yep. and Toronto didn't get Kawhi, and yep. the, the underdog Clippers yep. went uh, went boom. It's going to be really exciting. The NBA, I think that's why people love it so much, is the off-season's almost better than the actual season because there are so many games in the NBA. It's hard to keep track of what's going going on. You only sort of have interest, I reckon, at the start and then at the end. Correct. But the off-season is just crazy. Like It's hard to stay on track of what's actually happening and and the amount of huge trades – I just like, imagine like, uh, captains from most AFL clubs, just like abandoning ship and just going to another team. Will we ever get to that stage? Maybe. I I like that they're bringing in mid season, uh, trades or they're trying to, and mid there's a mid season draft. Do you feel sorry for the New York Knicks? It's their own fault. Really? (laughs) They just can't sort it out. It's a bit like Carlton at the moment, but I think that they're on the right track. Carlton, And and they are indeed. Yesterday's game against Melbourne was... After half time, it was one of the most exciting games of footy that I've seen. We had on Friday night and then again on Saturday, 
two games that featured top eight aspirant teams. Yep. Um, and they were relatively boring until the last quarter. But this Carlton Melbourne game was it was fantastic to watch. Sixteenth versus seventeenth, going at it. Wow. Yeah, it, it was a good game. Uh, plenty of great footy happening at the moment. I I thought Geelong was going to be the best team in the comp, but to be honest, I reckon there's. 12 teams that could win the flag this year. Yeah. It's all starting to really tighten up, which is great for the game. It's brilliant. It's that equalisation that Gill and the headquarters were after. Yep. And the Cricket World Cup coming to the pointy end. Yep. I think Australia is still in a very good position. I know they lost to South Africa. They did. Uh, but I think, I mean, England's a big test. I am a little bit worried about them. They got their tails up a little bit after a couple of wins. Yeah, but... But we thing- should beat them. Like, if we don't, it'll be... It'll be upsetting for all Australians. One thing that England are really, really good at is choking under pressure in front of their own crowd. And wouldn't that be fantastic to knock them out? Yeah, it would be good. I think it all depends on their fielding. Their fielding has been atrocious. And if they put down a few catches, you know, they drop Warner and they drop Finch. I just think their heads will drop and off we go. But if they stick, I think it'll be a very interesting game. I can't wait to watch it. Now, another great thing that's happened recently is Majak Dork. Yep. He came back, back to play football in the VFL, yep. um, played 21 minutes. Yep. And there were 2,000 people at Arden Street to come and watch him, which was fantastic. How good was seeing the big smile on his face? Oh, and the high, f- as he as he ran out of the, the race at the start yep. of the game, he gave the double python yep. um, and high five in the crowd. It was, it was really, it was quite a touching moment. It was. And I think the most important thing about it is that he's just out there playing footy. Yeah. Uh, you know, I heard some commentators say, oh, it'll be great to see if he can get back to AFL, but it's really not about that. It's, it's about him just playing footy and enjoying it. Yeah. And to see him smiling and having such a great time, uh, I think is the best part about it. Indeed. Great to see Majak Dor come back and do something that he loves doing. Uh, but already this year, we've had five AFL players who have taken a leave of absence due to mental health. We had Lin Jong. Yep. Announced that he would take a mental health break. Most recently, Aaron Hall. Yes. Dane Beams. Correct. Uh, Matthew Broadbent from Port Adelaide, and then obviously Tommy Boyd from the Bulldogs. Yep. So it's it's it is sad and it's unfortunate to see these guys going through the mental health, but it's also really good to see that they're coming out and they're speaking about it and they're shedding a light on the topic. It's really important. Yeah, I think the most important thing is that. I read, I read uh, Dane Beams' tweet and he said, the reason that I'm sharing this story and sharing this with everyone out there is that hopefully that he can help someone going through something similar. And yeah. I think that's the most important message here. And that's kind of why we're doing our podcast 100%. and why we have guests on is to share their story so that anyone going through something similar, mm-hmm. it might possibly help them. Yeah. You know how... Two weeks ago, I think it was, I spoke to you about how I went to the football club and, and told my story. Yep. Even after that, I had two people come up to me and speak to me. And, and, and it is so good that we can hopefully change someone's day or week or year um, and make a, a small difference. So it's great to see people out there trying to help people with mental health. Uh, one that springs to mind is Wayne Schwoss. He's doing some excellent work in the space. Yeah. So as we all probably are aware, there's a Royal Commission at the moment into Victoria's mental health system. So the Royal Commission is tasked with providing a comprehensive set of recommendations on how to best support Victorians with mental illness. 
including Victorians at risk of suicide. Uh, it's it's going to play a major role in raising public awareness about mental health as an issue. And it is quite prevalent and it's quite prevalent in the media at the moment. And there are so many organisations and people speaking about it. And it is fantastic to see, as you said, Wayne Schwoss was, was one person. And I think you want to touch on what he has said in, in recent times. Yeah. So, uh, I listened to him on triple M this morning Yep. and he was just discussing what it was like to be an exceptional footballer and have, uh, everyone think that you're doing fine, but hiding behind all of that and crying in the change rooms and, yep. and not revealing to his teammates, his coach, uh, uh, people in the organization, what he was going through. Yeah. And the reason that he goes around and speaks to thousands of people each year is so that uh, he doesn't want people to go in silence. Yep. He wants people to speak up. So go and tell someone, go and tell a family member, go and tell people you trust. And he said that if he had his time again, that's the first thing that he would do and he would recommend that to anyone. Yeah. And so just touching on that, we want to try and help people. We want to shed a light on the mental health space, but you might be listening and thinking, what is depression or what is anxiety and, and, and how do I know whether I have it? And I guess just some guide that can encourage you to speak to someone in your family or to seek medical help is, is if you're feeling like you're withdrawing from family and friends, losing interest or enjoyment in some of your hobbies, feeling the inability to concentrate, feeling sad, tired, if you're having suicidal thoughts, these are all things that should be triggers for you. And not, not all of them are related to mental health, but they can be a little sign. So as you said, I think speaking up and speaking to a family member, or if you don't feel comfortable speaking to a GP. Yep. And being honest with your GP about yeah. how you're feeling. Uh, there's definitely, people think there are stigma, there's a stigma with, uh, telling people that how you feel. Yeah. Uh, and I think as soon as we work towards removing that, the better it will be for people. Uh, because you'll find that when you tell someone, they're not going to have the reaction that you build yourself yeah. up in your head yeah. that, you know, they're going to think that, um, you're soft or something like that. Yeah. It's, it's the complete opposite. If, if once you trust these people, yeah. like your family or friends or anyone, and you talk to them about how you feel, you'll, uh, recognize the support and there is hope out there for anyone feeling 100%. sad. So uh, we recommend that you go and speak to um, to anyone about it. One thing that Schwoss said was that often if you ask someone, how are you? Their yep. answer the first time is going to be vastly different to the third time the third you ask time. them, if yep. you ask them within 30 seconds. And, and that is quite interesting. And anxiety is the most common mental health condition in Australia. So on average, one in four people will experience anxiety at some stage in their life. So it's very prevalent and it's all about just going and speaking to people. So I was listening to the radio this morning, SEM, and there was a nine-year-old kid who called up and spoke to Sam McClure. And he said that he felt as if there was too much negative media around sport at the moment. And there were some really good, feel-good stories. And he made mention of Magic Door. And that got me thinking, it was just really interesting that a nine-year-old kid could pick up on the negativity that is out there in the media. And... You may not know the answer to this, but I'll pose the question to you anyway. Do you feel like the media 
should have some sort of responsibility to change the narrative around the sport landscape and be a little bit more positive, report more on the positive stories, i.e. these great crop of young talent we've got coming through the AFL this year or the Brisbane Lions jumping from bottom half of the ladder to the top four? Or do you think that everyone just wants to hear the bad news story? That's a great question, Aiden. Thanks. I believe that the media have an obligation, especially in the AFL, to report on positive information. Yep. However, with changes in the game and rule changes and stuff like this, uh, the media, well, people are desensitized to media now with yep. all this, so many media outlets uh, reporting on different things. Mm-hmm. And so media outlets try and make the most dramatic stories, like yep. the biggest headlines so that yep. people read them. Yeah, no, I agree. But a good story is our next guest. Yes, Yusuf. Yes, Yusuf. So Yusuf is a Caulfield Grammarian footy club player who's currently residing in America. In America, in New York, the Big Apple. Now, Yusuf's story is quite a unique one. Yusuf grew up in a Muslim family in Melbourne, and at a young age, he realized that he was gay. And so we go into a little bit more detail with Yusuf as to what he faced when deciding to come out and initially how he felt like he couldn't come out at a football club because of the boys club environment and then how comfortable he now is about it. So that's quite an enjoyable interview that we had with Yusuf and it was really good to shed some light on the struggles that he had. All right, so I'd like to introduce our, our next guest, our, th- our third guest to the Sport for Change podcast, and that is Yusuf Sabet, who is a young fellow from the football club, and we have developed a bit of a friendship over the years. Yusuf has a really interesting story to tell us, so we'd like to welcome Yusuf to the podcast. Welcome. welcome. Thanks for having me, boys. No worries. First question is, uh, who is a better footballer out of both of you? I'm going to give that to Clarky, I reckon. Yes. One, one point to <laughs> where does, where does Aiden play position-wise? Is he just an on-baller all day? Is he a back pocket? Is he a general halfback? What is, where does he play? You're normally mid-forward, aren't you? Yeah, mid-forward. Um, Are you accurate in front of goal? No. The last shot I had, I kicked into the man on the mark from 25 yeah, out. So, yeah, right. Yeah, He's great. always in and under it, though. Yeah. What about you, Yusuf? Where do you play? I've been in the back line the last few weeks. Um, Lockdown defender? No, nah, nah, not me. <laughs> Dashing love, half back yeah. out. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. For a run. Rebound 50s? Yeah, yeah. But no, nah, no, nah, I'm a shocking footballer, so I'll just go wherever they put me, I guess. So, <laughs> so you've, um, you're living in New York at the moment, is that right? Correct, yes. Yeah, and how long have you been there? Um, since August last year. So coming on, I think it's nine months now. Yeah. Amazing. And what are you doing over there in New York? Um, so I'm studying acting at the moment at a theatre school, yep. which has been unreal. What are the parties like? I haven't, to be honest, only because I just turned 21, so yep. haven't really been able to go out too much. Okay. Um, but there is a lot of, uh, there's a lot more midweek drinking, I think, than there yeah. is uh, here, yeah. which is which is interesting. It's cool. Yeah, it's handy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've got a mate who lives in New York and he will often send through WhatsApp stories of us, uh, sorry, of us, of, of him on like a Wednesday night at a rave. Yeah. In New York. It's yeah. like, what the hell are you doing? And yes. then he'll go into his high pressure job on the Thursday and be fine. Yeah. No, no, it's <laughs> it's very, just a um, lifestyle. There's always, you know, if you go on any of those apps that 
sell tickets for um for concerts and whatnot. There's always a concert going on. Yeah. There's always someone big in town, so yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, it is crazy like that. Yeah. And what about um, US sports? Do you have teams that you follow, or have you been to the NBA, NFL? I NHL? went to a, a Yankees game. What was it like? Um, that was good. It was very cool. It's uh, they do everything really big over there, so mm. you can get like a liter of beer. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. with some chicken wings yeah. and chips on top of the beer. Amazing. Uh, it comes all in one big cup. <laughs> Half strength or full strength beers? No, nah, half strength. Yeah. Bud Light. Yeah. Their, uh, or Coors. Yeah. Coors, yeah. yeah. Which is a good is one. Is Coors yeah. the one that has the label that is the mountains? Yeah. And it turns blue when and it's cold. Yeah, when it's cold. Yeah. Did you know that? No, I did no, not. That's amazing. I've never been to America. I really yeah. want to go. Okay. Well, maybe we'll maybe we'll take the podcast to the States. I reckon we do an annual event in America. Yeah. So don't know what the sport will be. No, we're aiming big. Hockey. I like it. Yeah. Touch NFL or something. Yeah. <laughs> so you, as I said at the start, you've got a really interesting story. I remember I used to personal train you. Yes. And I remember you were on the bike one night um, and I was standing next to you and we were talking and just in conversation, you said that you had came up, you had come out and I, it didn't click. It wasn't on my radar. And I said, yep. And you said, no, I've, I've come out and, and I'm gay. Um, I remember this. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, no, I'm gay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and I, I was blown away, but I was really happy for you. Um, for a couple of reasons, I was happy that you felt comfortable to tell me. And then I was really happy that you had decided that you would be strong enough and courageous enough to, to come out and tell people. So, um, I, I really, I thank you for that, to putting the trust in me, but it's an interesting story. Do you know at what age you were when, when you decided or you thought that you, that you were gay? I, I get this question a lot and it's, it's so interesting because even I struggle to answer it because I, I feel like I don't even know Yeah. when I, 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 I can recall having I guess what they would call like a gay tendency, yep. I guess, um, growing up and I'd always just, I would, I'd, I'd think about it, but I'd, I was so in denial, I think that I'd convince myself that, that it was just, you know, nothing yep. and I'd act like it never happened. And it'd be little things like I would, I specifically remember in primary school having crushes on, you know, some, some of my friends yep. who were, who were boys. Um, and yeah, I used to just act like it wasn't, wasn't happening, I mm. guess. Yeah. So, yeah, I think first time I could really like uh, remember would be, I was probably 10. Yeah. And then, yeah, all through high school, same thing. And then it wasn't until I literally just finished high school. Yeah. And was talking to this guy who was gay. And it was funny because I, I was convinced I was straight. So yeah. <laughs> I'm just talking to this guy um, as a friend. And then it got to the point where I was like, oh, I really like talking to this guy. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> And then I remember, yeah, the first time, you know, we, uh, we kissed, I guess. Yeah. The big yeah. fairy tale. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was the strangest. Was there music uh, playing in the background and was there dim lights? There actually was music. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, no, there was music actually. There was a little Yui boom playing in the background. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I remember just going, what, what have I just gotten myself into here? Mm. Like, yeah. And I did not, I felt like I was going crazy. It was, it was the strangest, but nicest feeling yeah. I'd had. That's yep. great. Um, so Yusuf, you went to Caulfield Grammar? Yep, yep. Graduated in 2015. Yep. And then started playing footy at the Old Boys straight after? No, I actually... See, I, I do play at the Old Boys. Yep. Um, I joined the club when I was in year... I think I played my first game in year 10. Yeah, okay. that's right. Yeah, I remember I that. 16. I played a few games um, 
for their threes, which is good fun. And then for the 19s a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I've been there since, sorry, can you, 2014. Yeah. So what's it been like sort of um, growing up and being around a, a football um, environment um, and also being gay? Is it is it just normal? Is it is it different? It's definitely, it's been, that's probably been the biggest challenge. Yeah. Um, I've always been told, uh, you know, we laugh about this, but people say, you know, you're not your typical gay person. Mm. Yeah. Mm. You do very, uh, you know, non-gay things, I guess. <laughs> that's, the, that's the term. Yeah. Um, like, such as playing footy. Uh, yeah. And I think for me that was, it was such a, there was so much fear, which I look back on it now, it was just stupid of me, um, but there was so much fear being in that environment and being gay. Yep. And, you know, I didn't want anyone to know. Um, Is that because, because do, do you think there's a, a stigma or there was a stigma? For um, sure, for sure. Being gay and being in sort of a football environment? Yeah, I think there's, there's definitely that. I think it's as times are progressing, we're kind of getting over this, but mm. there's that whole, you know, you associate a gay man with being soft or feminine and yep. and then, you know, football is just not that, I guess. Yeah. So, I th- yeah, I think it is, a, I put a lot of pressure on myself to, you know, be the straightest person I could be, you know what I mean? Yeah, and, and, yep. and do you still feel that way? Like, do you still feel that pressure or is that something that, that you've worked through? It's definitely... Worn off a lot. Yeah. I mean, the club's been really, really good. Yeah. Um, they're so supportive. Everyone is. Yeah. But I can't... I always say this to people, I can't help but, you know, there'll be blokes in the change rooms, for instance, and they'll be butt naked. Yeah. And I get awkward because I'm like, maybe they're uncomfortable with me being in here. Yeah. And that, those are the sort of challenges I yeah. have now. Yeah. You know, that people know. But I've never felt, I guess, no one's made me feel lesser. Yeah. yeah. I remember Since, when you first came out and you told me and that, and you had said to me that that was one of your concerns about telling people at the football club is that you'd be in the change rooms and you'd think that they would feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and I I hope that at the time I reassured you that no one would be any different. And, and in fact, I, I, I football clubs and sporting and, and society in general are so happy with people who show that, that courage to come out and, and speak on topics like being gay. Um, yeah. It just it, it was fantastic. I remember at the footy club at the time when when people found out there was nothing but support, and I can assure you now that that it is. We don't look at oh Yusuf the gay person. We look at Yusuf the the person that we know and and the the funny guy around the football club. It's it's great that you've been able to um to still come down and hopefully you consider us as as a part of your family as well. Yeah, no, it really was. The, like I said, the club's been amazing. Even just little comments on a night out, boys would come by and, you know, I heard you came out and mm. that's great. And the fact that they'd done that. And I was only, I think I was 18. Yeah, 18 when I'd come out to the club. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I'm only 21 now, but, I, you know, I remember when I was 18, I was so, you, you know, you got no confidence at all, really. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> if you put into this, uh, you know, this big world, I guess. But I... Remember how that was such a confidence booster and made me feel so much comfort, I guess. Just, you know, when one of the older blokes comes up to you and says, hey, good on you for coming out and, you know, we've got you back. The club has a pride round. Yeah, uh, that's once right. A year. Yeah. You know, and the boys got right behind that. So, speaking about it, though, is that what made you feel better? Because it's, um, we're tr- tr- relating it back to mental health. I mm. feel like a lot of people, they put a, they put pressure on themselves to... Mm. Um, and sort of bottle emotions and think that people will think about them a certain way yeah. and then actually expressing themselves and telling people how they feel is actually a result it makes you feel a lot better 
Yep. Do you reckon that's what happened with you? Yeah, it, it was a big... Like, obviously a, scary and very brave of you, um, but afterwards it'll make you feel a lot better. No, it did, it did, because it was just like a... It was a weight off my chest. Yep. And I honestly just told myself, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do it, and it's done. And yep. I either going to love it or hate it. Yeah. And cool, we'll find out. So... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then once I did it, I was like, cool. Yeah. It was just like... It is very exhausting mm. being closeted. It's so yeah. exhausting. And... It's exhausting as well being openly gay and worrying so much about mm. what everyone might think. And like I said, I still kind of do that, but I do it a lot less now. And I'm a lot, I'm a lot more comfortable with myself. And yeah. and that's the thing. A lot of it comes back to um, me rather yeah. than, you know, it's a lot of it comes back to me and my own, it's my own battle. It's not because of the way someone's treated me or, mm-hmm. but it is literally just me trying to accept it myself, which, you know, I'm not all the way there, but I think yeah. I'm, I'm definitely a lot better than I was a couple of years back. So coming out to your family and, and then to your to your friends and to a, a workplace and a sporting place and speaking about it is one thing, but have you or have you sought out other people to talk to about it, people that you don't know? Is that something that you, that you have done? Yeah, for sure. I, I did see a psychologist for a bit. Yeah. Because um, when I first came out, it was just rough for me. Like I was, I got, you know, pretty pretty down about it and I was thinking some pretty stupid thoughts yeah really just hating on myself like it was just always like why do you have to be gay why do you have to be gay yeah and I'd wish that I was straight and I said to mum and dad you know I want to go see a psychologist I want to talk to someone who is not related to me because I feel like when you do talk to your friends as much as they're great they give you their opinion based on you know and it's a biased opinion yeah I love you and I just was like I want a third party who knows nothing about me and it was great. Like I used to just go in there and he'd just listen. Yeah. And yeah. I think psychologists, like I've kind of, I feel like I'm starting to figure it out. They, yeah. they take your side and they, they don't provoke you at all. Yeah. And he doesn't even try and give me solutions. Like yeah. it was just, he just sits there, listens and he kind of takes your side and, yeah. and agrees with everything you're saying. And you, I walked out of there and I was like, oh. It feels so much better, yeah. doesn't it? I've been, I've, I've been to a psychologist myself and I've spoken about it in, in our first podcast, but it's amazing how different you can feel mm. walking out of speaking to someone that you don't know. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really good and you kind of do feel like there's a weight lifted off your shoulder, yeah. don't you? And it's, oh, and it's, it's the one... Cause I, you know, I feel like I'm very guarded, as most of us are, mm. and it was the one time where I'm in a room with someone else and I just let it all out and didn't even didn't really care what he thought of me and that was such a nice just freeing feeling and yeah i mean i haven't seen him for years but now i know what to do if i get to that yep. stage again yep. yeah yeah it was great i loved it so your advice for someone who's maybe dealing with anything where it could be um you know thinking that people might feel uh people might think of them a certain way or maybe dealing with something that mm. they're not speaking to anyone about do you have any advice for them i think i've realized a lot of it's in my own head yeah and because yeah you sit there and I used to just go oh this person's weird because I'm, I'm gay or this person doesn't want me in here because they're trying to get changed or whatever and and it was just never it was never an issue the only person who had an issue was me like yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's a bit you feel crazy you have these little battles in your head yeah and no one else is thinking about this <laughs> what you're thinking about and I think once you realise that that it's all kind of up to you there's something real there's a lot of strength in that and um that's kind of how I've gotten through it. So you you said you had a year off football after you came out, and and then you decided to come back. So so what was the reasoning behind that? Or I mean, how did you feel when you did come back to playing footy? Yeah, I was um 
for some reason I just disappeared, just stopped playing footy and I was in my own little world and, and kind of battling, you know, with, uh, with I think with my own head, I guess. Yep. And I remember just, I gained a bit of weight and I was just like, I just feel, I want like some sort of routine. Yep. And I really miss just having a kick and, you know, I'm not the best footballer out there, but, you know, it's being around the boys, being around the clubs, it, it is like another family. So 2017, I was like, I committed to, to playing a whole year and doing a pre-season and, and whatnot. And it was one of the best things I've done because you can have a bad day, you could, but you always look forward to, you know, your training session or, or your match. And like Saturdays are the best day. Yeah. yeah. Especially when you've got a triple header yeah. <laughs> down to Glen Huntley. And, yeah. And then you go out for beers after and um, I, I kind of missed that part of my of my life, I guess, in 2016. So, yeah. No, it was great. Some some routine, I guess. Yeah, so. awesome. So it was a bit of a, a mental release almost. Yeah. Like playing sport and Gus, you've you've done the same. You've played sport and whether it just be going out to the park and having a shoot or the hoops or whatever, it's the endorphins that you get and that chemical mm. release that makes you feel so good. So, um, and he's doing it with other people as yeah. well. So. Uh, when you go down to the footy club, you're hanging out with a hundred of your mates, yeah. and you're doing something productive. Yeah. Like uh, you're all building towards something. You feel part of a team. Yeah. Like no matter what ability you are, the best thing about these old boys uh, football clubs or sporting clubs is that no matter how good or bad someone is at the sport, like yeah. everyone's welcome. Yeah, I think that's no, it really does. It. Really does bring uh, everyone together. Yeah, and I guess in in America, um, they don't really have much local club sports. Yeah. It's all just you're either a pro or you're not, <laughs> um, yeah. and that's something I've missed heaps while I've been over there because there's we I play footy over there, but there's a lot less games, there's a lot less fields to play on. So yeah, I think it's a, a great testament to the Australian culture. Now, you, if you were in town on October the fifth, would you participate in our basketball tournament? Of course I would. Of course you would. Do you have anyone in mind that uh, line up alongside you in a team? Any of your mates, basketballers or wannabe? Do you have that can shoot the three ball? Oh, this is, I know there's a group of boys at the footy club. Yeah. They're all basketball obsessed. Yeah. I wouldn't mind some of them yeah, okay. on, on my team. Well, I'm trying to think. I think it's uh, always safe to pick someone who's really tall. Yes. Jules. No, they, yeah. Jules, yeah. <laughs> Jules. yeah Jules. Jules, Jules. Jules is good at anything. Yeah. Okay, so we can trust that you'll uh, recruit a team for us then. Yeah. Yeah, you can be their manager at their, their manager. United States correspondent. <laughs> yeah. Or FaceTime at halftime. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. And October 5 will be just after potentially the Essendon have won the grand final. Yeah. Pro- hopefully. Knocking on the eight. Yes, potentially the four. No, we won't get too carried away. Yeah. Um, you're not much of a basketballer, I think you said. <laughs> much of a sportsman in general. <laughs> Would you... Who in the Essendon team do you reckon you'd liken your football game to? I wish I played like Tipper. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I played like him. Okay. Um, Excitement machine. I'm trying to think who else. Or uh, even Adam Sard. Okay. The yep. There you I, go. I wish I could do that. Yep. Rebound yeah. 50s, 450 <laughs> metres gained. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I don't think I could relate myself to any. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. I'm like, no. Nah. No, I've got to learn to kick first before I do that. That's all right. Uh, Connor McKenna, maybe, then. Connor McKenna, yes. Yes. All right. Well, Yusuf, thank you very, very much for coming onto the podcast and sharing your story. Um, yeah, we, we do appreciate it. And the messages that you've been able to deliver us are, are great. And hopefully people who are listening who are going through something similar can speak out. So we appreciate it. And, and thank you. Yeah, yeah thanks Thank you. Thanks for having me, boys. Aiden, I loved that chat with Yusuf. I think there are a lot of similarities between 
Wayne Schwoss's story and Yusuf's story in the way that Yusuf built up this idea in his head that people wouldn't respect him if he yeah. uh, came out yep. and, and people would think of him differently. Yep. However, in the end, just for him to go and tell people was a huge weight off his shoulders and just made him feel that much better. And I think a lot of people can take that out of that story. So Gus, 13 is the amount of weeks yep. left before our inaugural Sport for Change basketball tournament. That's really scary, but also we're really excited. Uh, so seven teams signed up yep. and humming along. So we should have a lot more soon. Yes. Yeah, so as you mentioned, seven teams. Yep. We have the Mayors. Yep. We have the Washed Up Wizards. Yep. We have the Hoodie Mellows. Wow. And we have four others with no basketball name. No team name, but no team name. they're signed up and they're ready to go. They just need to figure out what their team's called. Correct. And maybe a photo. A photo would be nice. Yep. Uh, maybe even get onto Canva or Photoshop and whip something up. Brilliant. How are your Canva skills? Uh, not bad. I actually created the logo for Sport for Change on Canva. You, you did? <laughs> and um, took your own horn. That's all right. So Please, please jump on the Facebook page or just message me and let me know what you think of the logo actually, because <laughs> I did sweat over it for weeks and that prevented me from launching Sport for Change. I was wigging out about the, the logo a lot. I think it's, I think it's really good. It's crisp, <laughs> it's sharp and it's clean. And I've had a lot of people comment on it already. So 13 weeks, seven teams, we aim for 20. Well, that's cut off. Maximum team is, is 20. And as we've mentioned before, each team to raise minimum $500, yep. that gets us to our $10,000 target. And all of that money goes directly to Beyond Blue. And spectators as well. So if you want to come and watch the games, please do. Free of charge. Yep. We'll announce any more updates throughout the time leading into the, to the day. Gus, thank you very much. This has been... A really, really enjoyable podcast, this episode. Use of Story, as you touched on earlier, is a really special one. And as you also mentioned earlier, hopefully, just from listening to this podcast, we can have changed someone's day. Absolutely. And if you're feeling down or uh, feel like you're struggling, please call Lifeline one three double one one four.